You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers behind the scenes. And we're moving on to number three in this franchise review. Matt, tell them what we watched. For our Malian month. How have we not made this joke yet? It's in May. Malian. Uh, in our Malian month, yeah, we made it to Alien 3 with the little three. Three times the suspense. Three times the danger. Three times the terror. Alien 3. Rated R. Aliens to the third power. (laughs) Even though there's only one alien. So yeah, this is interesting. It goes alien, aliens, alien third power thing. Whatever that means. You think at one point they, they planned on having multiple different animal aliens because they sure did in the toy line alien yo hicks something big is in the air ah! it's the alien flying queen ah! and her gruesome gorillas send in the ultimate space marine atax disguised in his big bad bug suit he sneaks in and takes him out but the flying queen unmasks him ah! send in hicks and the heavily armored evac fighter send in the marines blast them yeah and bottle them and it's bye-bye bug. Each sold separately. Aliens! I'm curious. Yeah, especially with the fact that, like, it wasn't even supposed to be a dog that was originally for this movie. So I wonder if once they sort of decided after they weren't going to do the ox and then they decided they were going to do the dog for this, if they were like, well, fuck, what if we did all of them animals? <laughs> like, what if we did a whole zoo of aliens? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the thing that I am still shocked to this day that we have not had something on Earth or another planet where they are the the eggs are loose in a zoo. Yeah, because then you can make all the things that were to the toys into uh, aliens like the bull one we were talking about before we were recording. I feel like everybody had that toy, you know, the because the, it was cool looking and yeah. you could have that in a movie. Why not? <laughs> I mean, the bull, the gorilla, the snake. The scorpion. I mean, who doesn't want to see an alien scorpion? Even though right. that's kind of just the face hugger in a way. But still, it's just like uh, another deadly sort of monster in these creature heavy effects movies. You know, if they would have made this in, say, 98 or something like that with a bunch of prosthetics, those things would look amazing. Yeah, I would love it. But maybe they were trying to stay away from Gremlins to the new batch. Maybe. <laughs> who knows? Uh, I know that they were trying to stay away from Terminator 2 when this movie was coming out, and there's comparisons to that, especially the end. Uh, So there was that. The end definitely does have uh, Terminator 2 vibes. It's funny, I do remember like two of the movies that when I was a little kid just made me weep (laughs) were this movie and Terminator 2 because of the endings. (laughs) I mean, to spoil it all, Sigourney Weaver Ripley dies at the end. But don't worry, folks. 
no one ever actually dies in these franchises. Yeah, if you're in a franchise, they'll find a way to bring you back. There's still three more movies after this one in the Alien series, so and some versus spin-offs. So they will find a way. Yeah, so this movie actually came out, you know, May uh was it May ninety two? May twenty second, nineteen ninety two. But that is quite a gap between the second one, and there is a reason because this movie had four years, four years of pre production hell. And we don't have time to go through all of it, but you can go and read and watch everything about it because there's hours upon hours of shit out there about this. It's ridiculous. We would have to do like a three hour podcast on just the making of this movie to go through all the problems. But basically, it just is one of those troubled productions. And like we talked about in Aliens 92, Fox needed a hit again. So it was time to go back to the old well. And it was a alien uh, that, of course, they were going to mine from. Yeah, the only thing I want to talk about is there could have been a world Rennie Harlan directed an alien film. I'm just saying. I mean, I want to live in that alternate dimension for sure. <laughs> the guy who does Nightmare on Elm Street 4 almost got Alien 3. And Alien I think he was planned on having Alien 3 and 4 because they were going to do them back to back. I would have loved to have seen a Rennie Harlan alien movie. Uh, I am, I mean, truly, I'm more of a Rennie Harlan fan than a David Fincher fan anyway. So I would have much preferred to see that. Yeah. So the pre-production hell, we had many scripts. We had many, many people involved with this, but somehow they Frankenstein something together and we get David Fincher, the man who did Fight Club and Seven, Zodiac. Panic Room. A lot of stuff. So he ends up doing this. The I would say what well, he was a music video guy before this, right? Yeah, this was another very similar to like Ridley Scott sort of coming from commercials. Uh, this was, you know, David Fincher kind of moving up from uh, music videos. And, you know, my most famous video, maybe like uh, Jeannie's Got a Gun, uh, the Aerosmith one, right, which is right before this movie. So maybe even that music video led into him getting this movie. It could have had so many different directors, so many different scripts. We also had in something you could see easily online. There was even a teaser trailer that was announcing that Alien 3 was finally going to take place on Earth. But we didn't even get that movie. But you can watch the trailer for that, <laughs> that movie that we didn't end up getting. In 1979, we discovered in space no one can hear you scream. In 1992, we will discover on Earth, everyone can hear you scream. Yeah, I feel like this was the first movie that just had a bunch of shit come out about it because the internet was in its like infancy stage. Uh, like where people, this is like one of the first movies I can ever remember people talking about it online. Like there's another script out there and people freaking out about it. Cause you know, like it's, it's hard for younger fans to understand that. Like this was so in shadows. We didn't know about all this stuff. We had to actually read it in magazines. And even then we didn't know it's not now where we know so much about it. It's irritating. Yeah, it's true. It's so true. Like I remember for, you know, movies like this, it would it would have to, your Internet was like the magazines. It was like Wizard and the Toy Fair books and stuff like that. You had to look at these to kind of get information on 
these upcoming movies they were basically your uh message boards before message boards i guess um and you would just yeah you would read about like oh they're working on this script now and this is what but then like you know it's a magazine so a month later everything's different and this that was especially the case this movie and yeah people who didn't you know people who had the internet their whole life they don't know that like before it was the wild west it was you didn't know so much of the behind the scenes and stuff like that you didn't know all these crazy stories that happened behind the scenes of this movie until after the movie came out yep so this movie would have probably came out what mm, around the holidays of 1992 because it came out in may of 92 yeah probably was there either like their halloween release or their christmas mm-hmm. release so we had a couple VHSs to it. Uh, we had the original one, I think. Yeah, this is the 90, 1992 one that came out. And it is a very... This is part of also why we as kids had a hard time getting excited about this. Is you just see... Because we couldn't see this in theater. My parents were going to take me anyway. You just see Sigourney Weaver with a shaved head on the front. It says Sigourney Weaver Alien 3. It's just her and her outfit for the movie. It's not very eye-catching in my opinion they're using ripley to kind of sell the movie which is definitely a selling point we want to see ripley we want to see sigourney weaver but i think a mistake in not showing off kind of your alien or some kind of sci-fi kind of threat i'm really surprised they didn't make the iconic shot from this movie the poster yeah because then they use it on the back but they don't even use a proper one they like cut out the head a little bit of the head and the little of the alien and they cut out the little bit head of Sigourney Weaver and then they put the text between it, but it's nowhere near as impactful. Yeah. I, like I said, that's your poster or the one I did like sort of the poster poster. That was, I think maybe the teaser poster that was going around, which was like the green alien embryo mm-hmm. kind of alien, uh, which is that on the side of most of the boxes of the VHS for this movie, but not you don't often see as the cover. Kind of a mistake there too that that wasn't your because that would be eye catching. I think I, I really like that poster. Yeah, that is the other one I have. That's the 1999 THX version that came out, which I think I have one that had was part of a box set mm. because one of the trailers on it is it's a commercial for collect the entire box set. But I don't get it. Why would you have a box set commercial uh, trailer on a box set one? So I'm a little confused. I don't know what this came from. One that I've got here is it, it says it's from 92. I don't know if it's an original, but it's the little box. Yeah, that's part of the the three that I have also. Yeah, there was we talked about it in Aliens, but there was a trend with the Alien series when they came out on VHSs where they were a black box. The whole thing was totally black just the title and then in the center you got one little still image and they did this for all three of the originals over and over again for some re-releases too uh that i i don't know what this trend of like the center image was with the alien series i don't know why they decided to do that yeah and that fox video trilogy one came out they show ripley on the left when she's in her cryo tube and it's broken and then they show the iconic image, but it's right before you have the iconic image of the alien's mouth being open. And I don't understand that. Like, what are you doing? Why do you have such an iconic image and you don't want to show everyone? Is it to not give it away? I just think it, I don't think they knew it was going to be 
like basically truly the image for the entire series. Yes, the, it is the franchise <laughs> iconic image. It is one of in that is something that David Fincher knows how to do. He was so visually gifted that like that shot. I mean, I don't know if he planned it, but it definitely was like, OK, this is going to be our shot for the movie. I don't think he had any clue or any of them had any clue that it would be the shot for the entire franchise. But as soon as you see it, it's fucking awesome. Like, it's just the best. Yeah, it's it's an absolutely incredible shot. The fact that it has become sort of a gif and a meme. And yeah, like you said, the iconic signifier of the entire series is just testament to how cool it is in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I even sent it to you as a joke of us doing this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, with the alien's mouth open, I'm like, it's me screaming into the void saying that this movie is actually pretty good. <laughs> yes, and you did make a comparison to this being a uh, Halloween 3, where if you take this as its own film, I think this is actually a good film. Uh, not to give away my whole thoughts of the thing at the end of this, but I think if this is an alien and it's just a post-apocalyptic, you know, alien in a, I guess, tunnel box. That's what I'm going to call this whole thing that they're in. I, I don't know. Like, all these tunnels are just annoying to me. Like, how do you make tunnels upon tunnels interesting? And you can see them struggling trying to do that. I think they're interesting. I think this movie is visually, on paper, what probably sounds really stupid of, like, tunnels on tunnels on tunnels. I think they have made it, like visually stimulating though <laughs> oh so we found our first difference of opinion because i found the tunnels just like so you just have people running around tunnels from an alien okay see i think it was too big i think what made the first one interesting is the ship is smaller there's only so many spots that it can hide uh with this one this is like a huge i guess smolting prison i don't know what i i struggle with this entire environment i know what they're trying to sell but i struggle with it yeah, they think they're selling us basically a prison planet or a wooden planet. I know it was one of the, the things mentioned or whatever, but they they have this whole planet and we're basically in a facility, I guess, on this deserted prison planet and go through the whole facility. So there is a ton of people within this facility. It's not like an entire planet's worth of people, but we're in this one place and it still feels like maybe the biggest cast of the whole series, I want to say, because even by the time we get to four, we kind of pare it down a little bit. So that, but this one's got a, if you're into bald dudes, this one's got a bajillion bald dudes all over this uh, facility. See, I found that alien three and alien four feel like the biggest casts. Cause there's just so many characters running around and half of them. I don't even know who they are. They're just like faces bunch of it's just a faces in a in a void like a just a giant prison <laughs> that's ugly to look at like we're gonna hu have huge differences opinions in this and, th and that's fine uh i mean that's kind of what this movie's entire existence is dramatically different opinions everywhere <laughs> say it throughout but like i've always really defended this movie i've always really loved this movie truly uh because of you know i like that it's this it feels like kind of the biggest one so far with the, like with the cast. I, I like that it's back to one alien. I like that fucking Newt's out of here. Like I really, I like so much about what some of the choices that they made in this one. I also get why people hate it. So, <laughs> so here's another thing we have to decide. I have one, two, three different VHSs of this. <laughs> I don't know why I have three different. I just do. 
Uh, so which one should I read? Should I read the original? Should I read the original box set or should I read the THX version from 1999? Well, I've, you do the one that I have then, which is the, the little box. So 92 little box in the center, uh, Ripley in the cryo on the left on the back. That's the one that I have. So The final chapter of the most terrifying saga in science fiction history. Because we should explain at this point, everyone thought the franchise, this was it. We were done. Ripley's dead. Alien's dead. That's it. The franchise is dead. <laughs> and clearly they were correct. We don't have another Alien film. Five more years? <laughs> took you. Not that long. Not that long. <laughs> so Lieutenant Ripley, Sigourney Weaver, is the lone survivor when her crippled spaceship crash lands on Florina 161. Is that how you say that? Furina, maybe? I don't even know if they ever say it. I'm sure they do. We could probably get a clip of it, but I'm not finding it. Let's just say they never say it. Okay. <laughs> a bleak wasteland inhabited by former inmates of the planet's maximum security prison. Ripley's fears that an alien was aboard her craft are confirmed when the mutilated bodies of ex-cons begin to mount. Without weapons or modern technology of any kind, Ripley must lead the men into battle against the terrifying creature. And soon she discovers a horrifying fact about the link with the alien, a realization that may compel Ripley to try destroying not only the horrific creature, but herself as well. 1992, approximately 115 minutes. And it's in color, folks. Thank you. Always love that they put that <laughs> at the end of these VHSs. I don't think they do that with DVDs anymore. No, I don't think so either. I do. I know why they did it, though, back in the VHS days, you know, 90s days, because so many of those companies were trying to market old movies as new movies when the VHS boom of the 90s happened. And just like subtitles and widescreen in the early 90s, we hated not color movies <laughs> in America. We only color only new <laughs> for the mainstream consumer. I can tell you that out of the three VHSs I own, I do love the THX one from 1999 with the alien like in a circle. Yeah, that, that kind of embryo kind of looking alien. Yeah. I love and I that guess logo. that's supposed to be the queen inside of her chest. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. Because it's not the dog alien. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be the queen inside of her. I guess what they're saying is before the queen died, it somehow sent some type of embryo and to the ship which uh a face hugger got into i don't know because then the queen would have to have multiple face huggers because didn't one uh you know what let's put it in the tape <laughs> and now our feature presentation we get no trailers except the 99 thx one that tells you to get the box set but i don't know if this is part of a box set i just have it on its own yeah, I have not seen the box set trailer. I, I'm I'm watching the one that you read from, and that definitely did not have any trailer. No, it's just like, you already bought it. We don't care. Here we go. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it shows her crash land onto this very ugly planet, and it has a post-apocalyptic view, and we notice it right away that the greens from the first one are gone. The blues and, like, the blinding lights from the second one are gone now we have kind of like soaked everything in i don't know burnt beige is that a fair assessment fire 
orangey, definitely yeah. hell apocalyptic kind of colors for this one. The bright colors of the greens and the blues totally out the window. We are muted. <laughs> but what I notice is the marketing of this film is definitely green, green, green. I wonder, too, if that was just to call back to how this one does kind of feel more tied to the first one. As opposed to Aliens, because we have a single alien. It's just kind of Ripley and the team focused on this single alien. So I wonder if this, like, the green in the marketing is just the the callback or link to the first one that this one definitely feels like. And that is another reason why I, I like this one so much, is it does feel kind of the most in DNA with the first one. It does, but at the same time it doesn't in a way to me because the look is so much different and i understand that david fincher or whoever put this together probably wanted to break themselves away from the iconic first two so i get it trying to have a different look i do i just feel like it is so much different that it kind of shocked audiences my thing about that is is like sometimes you got to realize that i understand you want to break out and do your own thing but at a certain point, you might want to realize that the first two were good looks and there's nothing wrong with using it and taking that into your own story either. And I feel like a lot of these very visual people always have to do it. They have to be so much different than the original if you're going down, you know, franchise. But I also understand that you want to make it different. You don't want to just do the same thing over. So it's it's a tightrope. It's hard to walk down. Yeah, and I mean, like this series is so kind of known for having a different director for each of the, at least the original four movies, different vision, different kind of backgrounds, different people doing them. So does that mean, yeah, does that mean that each time it's supposed to get a new look? Does it or should we be keeping sort of more of the DNA of the originals? I don't know, but they're they're making a decision clearly well, I, I mean, I know Fincher would never come back to do a fourth one after the, the disaster <laughs> of making this one, but sort of making the conscious decision to have a different filmmaker each time. They are probably looking for somewhat of a different look, but yes, this is a stark difference from anything we had seen before. You could tell that Fincher is coming fresh off of music videos. It has like this very steam, very hot, very wet kind of music, not early 90s music video look to it. Yeah, and I noticed this one took the steam of the first one and the wetness of the second one and kind of combine them with a new color palette. So that was like definitely something I noticed right away that I liked because like the first one, there was so much steam, like it was everywhere. And I'm not saying the second one didn't have it. Of course it did. But I just felt like the way James Cameron did it was, I don't know, it was just different. This one feels like it's combining those two, which I thought was a good kind of homage and I don't know if they did it on purpose. I just felt like it it was an homage. Yeah, probably. I mean, the, again, trying to keep some semblance of DNA within it. Maybe they just looked at the last two movies and were like, okay, this is a part of a look. This is a part of a look. But here's how we spin it this new way. I mean, there's no doubting that now, you know, we had a 70s one, we had an 80s one. There's no doubting that this is very much an early 90s one. If mm -hmm. you've seen any early 90s movie or music video or commercial this is the look that you're getting with this one in super, super thin widescreen, too. Like this is like stretched to the limits of a screen <laughs> widescreen. I never had a problem with I mean, it is quite a bit different than James Cameron's look of the second one. But I guess when I was younger, 
I never even I noticed it, but I didn't care so much because I was just, you know, looking at the story. And then we'll get into probably the first jarring part of this entire story is they kill two of the most iconic characters from the second movie in Newt and Corporal Hicks. That is a thorn in a lot of fan sides. And uh, James Cameron said it was a slap in the face. A lot of the producers didn't like it. A lot of people didn't like the way the direction of this movie was going before the movie even started filming. It's very interesting to me, and that goes back to David Geyer's quote of 20th Century Fox didn't want to make a good movie. They wanted to make a date. Yeah, I, of the camp though, when this movie starts and Newt and Hicks are eliminated, I'm like, good. Not that I hated them that much or anything in the last movie. I just, I'm all for like starting Ripley fresh here. I don't want to see the continuation of that story because then it's just aliens again. I want to see Ripley's continued sort of like trauma and how she's dealt with it and how she moves on and stuff like that with this. So when they're eliminated at the beginning, for me as a fan, just like the way that I appreciate these movies, I was all for it. I was excited that we were starting kind of clean slate with this. I get, I get it. I get why it pissed people off. I totally get it. I understand. But for me, I, I thought it was exciting. Yeah, I hated it not so much because they killed the characters. Like, I had no attachment to Newt. And I really don't hear a lot of people complain about Newt dying. It's more Corporal Hicks. And I didn't even have a huge attachment to Corporal Hicks. If you go back and listen to Aliens, I was like, yeah, he's just kind of a quiet leading man. But the entire fandom out there fucking loves Corporal Hicks. And to unceremonious, I don't know how to say this. To just wipe them off, you know, like it was a mistake in the script, like, oh, we should never have this character again in this series, is a problem because that's not looking at what made the entire series good. He was a very important part of the puzzle that made Alien so popular, and you just wiped it off, and you pissed off so many fans. That's not a good way to typically start your 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 movie part of me wonders if the entire franchise has ever truly recovered after this movie i think this movie was so disliked by so many fans that it's just never had the same momentum no even the better somewhat better reviewed prometheus and alien covenant have still not reached the levels of the first two People were pretty burned by this one. And I, I don't think it ever, like you said, I don't think it ever recovered. Alien Resurrection didn't get it, very good reviews. The AVP movies got terrible reviews. Like, And then by the time Prometheus came out, I think it kind of got semi-okay reviews because it was so different uh, from the, what we had seen previously. And yeah, it all probably stems from this opening scene in this movie. <laughs> Which I think Michael... Beale got paid and the actress that played new got paid quite a bit of money for using their likeness without their permission. Yeah, I think I saw somewhere that Michael Bean made more money for his image than he did in than he did getting paid for being in Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's a nice payday. Then he did literally have to do nothing. And he got paid the same amount. I voiced my opinion. We voiced the fans opinion. You voiced yours. I think we've You know, we can still be friends Um, because I can tell you what, after getting past the entire jolt of the first five, ten minutes of this film, 
I can tell you there's a lot about this film I like. Obviously, you're going to be screaming into probably not the the void that you thought you were screaming into to defend this, but still, let's get into this. We have a whole shit ton of characters, in my opinion, but I guess it kind of just concentrates on like maybe four or five. You have Charles Dance, which is the doctor, and he is definitely closest with Ripley. Uh, in fact, this is the first time Ripley ever gets down and dirty. Rrr. I love this. <laughs> well, that's another delicious thing I love about this movie. Ripley not only gets laid in this movie, but she makes the first move and she's just like, yo, I've been through some shit. I just need to get fucked. Are you into it? <laughs> He's like, yeah. <laughs> um, like, it's just, I don't know. She is so in control of this character in this movie. She knows what she wants. She's like been through the ringer and she's just like, we gotta kill this fucking alien and if i gotta die doing it then fine because i've seen it all i've done it all so yeah i love that uh, they hook up in this i think it's great because it's not romantic it's purely physical yeah i think her entire opinion of the franchise comes through at least at this point of the franchise comes through her character i don't give a fuck i'm here for money kill my character i'm not being in this and like she is walking with the i don't give a fuck attitude for the most part i mean She's got good moments of fear. I mean, obviously, she knows she has an alien inside of her chest. The alien queen, an egg layer inside of her chest. But you see that. She is such a swag in this film. I think she's the boss in this. Uh, I don't I don't think she's walking through it like I'm just making a payday. I think she's walking through it like I'm fucking Ripley. I'm fucking this series. <laughs> so, well, I mean, she requested four or five million dollars to be in this movie and... She did not want to work with 20th Century Fox. She didn't really like this script, but she liked that she had a chance to kill off her character and end it. And that's what she wanted. And that's the only way she's going to do this. And she got her way. So good for her. It feels very Jamie Lee Curtis throughout the Halloween series. Her whole thing was, I, I'm tired of just waking up, have to fight an alien and then going back to sleep, waking up, fighting an alien, going back to sleep. You know, she was tired of it. She didn't like how they changed certain things about her character in Aliens, even though she's kind of gone back and forth. And we talk about that in the first two films. Uh, with this one, she was tired of working with 20th Century Fox. And what's funny is I don't even think they interfered a ton in those first two films. But this one, woo, woo. So if she was tired of working with 20th Century Fox from the first and second one, just imagine her thoughts after this one. But... She's back five years later, so it must not have been... I mean, the payday, but still, like it must not have been too bad. <laughs> I mean, like I said from the first to second one, she got a pay, she got a raise every film. And she got big raises. These aren't yes. tiny raises. She knows what she is to this franchise. And I think they even tried to write her out of this one in a way. Well, so in the back-to-back -back scripts, for because they wanted to record three and four to save cost. I guess the third one was going to be more of a Corporal Hicks movie, and the fourth one is going to be more of a Ripley movie, and them coming together to defeat the corporation and their biological weapons that they were producing to take over, I don't know, whatever. Who knows what they were going to do with that? I've never read the script, but I guess she just got tired of four years of pre-production -pre hell, and she's just like, kill my character, give me my money, let's do this. I think it's a fitting end for her in this movie i think it it again with if you're watching this movie without any of the knowledge of the trouble production 
And yeah, maybe like you said, kind of watching it with a lens where you're not figuring in the first two movies. You're just watching this as a movie alone. The ending is very satisfying. Uh, matter of opinion. I mean, I, I like that she died in this, uh, but I don't think the ending's satisfying for me. I just thought it was just like, good, it's over. See, I found it that she is the one. She doesn't let the alien defeat her. She's the one that makes the choice to die. She's the you know one that is carrying this queen. It's on her, and I like that it's she makes that decision. It's not like Halloween Resurrection where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is killed off in the first five minutes by Michael Myers, <laughs> who she's evaded for 20 years, you know? <laughs> yeah, I can't. Yeah, definitely. I'm not saying you're making this comparison, but yeah, this is far superior to that uh, by a million miles. Um, <laughs> everything in this makes sense. Like, she should kill the alien. She should kill herself. She should end this because this damn corporation's never going to stop. I'm just saying at the end of it, I mean, compared to Terminator 2, it's nowhere near close to feelings. Like, when we lost the Terminator, I was like, <gasps> a part of the family has died. <laughs> In this one, when she dies, I was like, good, let's go. I got it. <laughs> I mean, she did the right thing. And also... Doesn't it feel like odd at the end of this film? Not to get too far into this, but we're not going to break scene by scene on this. But doesn't it feel odd how it just like they come there, they rush at the very end to grab the alien and we just get like, no, no, no. They sent a familiar face. She, he gets smashed over the head, you know, Lance Hendrickson, which I, I assume that was a human because it looked like it was blood. I'm always confused if that was supposed to be a another model. No, it's the guy that they based it off of from the company. I mean, his ear is like hanging off. <laughs> and they like, he, his ass would be out. He's not getting back up to look at her die. That's, I always looked at this. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. They're like using the blood of a human, but the reaction of an android. Yeah, probably because they didn't know. They were like, I don't know if we're going to have him be a robot or not this time, but we got Lance, so we'll figure it out when we get there. <laughs> Make an ear cast for him. <laughs> I can't tell you, I do like Charles S. Dutton and I do like Charles Dance a lot in this film. I think Dutton, this is our first like preachy character of the entire series. Why? Why the innocent punish? Why the sacrifice? Why the pain? There aren't any promises. Nothing certain, only that some get called, some get saved. She won't ever know the hardship and grief for those of us left behind. We commit these bodies to the void. Yes. Our, probably our only preachy character, I think. And he really is uh, chewing these scenes and uh, in a good way. I enjoyed all of his monologues, even though I think they're a bit wordy, but I get it. I also like movies, just as just a taste thing, but I also really like movies where there are no good guys. And I like the fact that, like, yes, with Charles Dance and Charles Dutton, they are kind of featured heroes, I guess, of the movie. But they're bad dudes with bad pass, uh, especially Dutton. He's like, I... I did this, I did this, I did this. I've reformed my ways, but I belong in this prison or whatever. I, I always like movies with bad guys that are your leads. And that is, that's what this kind of feels like. And Dutton is kind of that bridge between sort of good guy and bad guy. Cause he was the bad guy, but he is now like, you know, touched by God 
preacher guy. So I think it works for this movie. And I think he's I think he's really good in it. The one guy I don't know anyone's opinion on this, but Brian Glover, who plays the prison warden. Oh, his voice is tough. His room of control. Here are the facts. At 0800 hours, prisoner Murphy, through carelessness on his part, was found dead in vent shaft 17. He seems to have been sucked into a ventilator. <laughs> About 2100 hours, prisoner Gollick reappeared in a deranged state. Prisoners Boggs and Reigns are missing. There seems to be a good chance that they have met with foul play at the hands of prisoner Gollick. I don't know if they picked him because his voice was... I don't know. I really don't understand. I love it. I love this guy's voice. I think I it's can't great. Fucking stand it. I think it's great. Oh, I was so happy when he died. I'm like, thank I you. I can hear the voice like in my head. I can't it's do piercing. of it, obviously, but I can like hear it <laughs> as we're talking about it. It's piercing. His voice is just so, especially when he's screaming to all the uh, prisoners. Yeah. And that's why part of me is like, did they put Charles S. Dutton in here just to like counterbalance like, okay, his voice is so much nicer to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> much smoother. Yes. Much less abrasive. <laughs> uh, and then Ralph Brown, who plays 85, his nickname, he's the assistant. Mm-hmm. And his IQ is 85. All the prisoners tease him with it. Yes. Like, I just feel bad for this character. Yeah, I do think he's kind of one of our sympathetic characters because he's just, he's so pathetic. Yeah. Oh, in over his depths in this whole movie. I noticed the alien is coming down from the ceiling a lot in this film to grab people and bring them up. So they're using Brett's death a lot in this film. I noticed, uh, you know, the warden dies that way. A few of the prisoners are grabbed and like flung up into the ceiling. Maybe they use that a bit too many times. I think they use it at least three times. I think the warden one has fantastic dramatic timing. I don't know about the rest though. I, I like, and I can't remember if it's in one of these where they pull them up, but we, we actually, we talked about it in the last episode where we were like, what do they eat? Well, in this one, we finally see like the alien is like eating a guy. <laughs> one of the guys he pulls up, he's like he's just munching on his head. Yeah, so they must eat the humans and then occasionally also, well, maybe they, uh, we never see the egg, uh, we never see the legs of these people. Maybe they eat some of the body and then cocoon the rest. I don't know. But yeah, he is munching. We finally get to see what these drone warrior aliens eat. Yes. We eat people, I guess. But uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like so much of a necessity. Maybe it's just like a kind of, they enjoy it. I don't know. Yeah. And this alien doesn't really seem to know what to do. Very, it's very lost where like in aliens and it's the same thing with alien, but an alien, we didn't know. So in alien three, he feels like he's just running around killing and eating we don't really see him preparing for a queen because we find out in the most iconic shot when charles dance character clemens dies that this alien knows ripley's got the queen inside of her but what i'm confused about is wouldn't the alien grab her and protect her ripley don't need protecting and i think the alien probably knows that (laughs) oh come on the alien doesn't know i get your point If you think about this logically, the alien's entire motivation of life is inside of her chest and he just runs away. 
and doesn't even kill the guy who's on the bed. I always look at this scene. It has one of the most iconic visuals, but it makes no sense in my opinion. That alien would grab Ripley, take her into wherever he's hiding, and wait for her, that queen, to hatch, and then take care of the queen. And if it's killing people one by one, why does it just leave the most vulnerable person in the bed? That's a good point. I do not know. Because it looks good. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because it's visually interesting. (laughs) It's all based on visuals, which, listen, if a film is satisfying, you always let the hiccups go. You're just like, yeah, who cares? You know, yeah, whatever. Uh, With this one, you know, I just kind of started to look at it and I'm like, the entire motivation of that alien drone is in her chest. And he's like, peace. You're good. See ya. I mean, tied to the visual thing, uh, the, also this alien, the dog alien, it is maybe the coolest looking alien of the series, maybe, or lead alien, I guess, uh, in the series. When it does that iconic shot and it has like the, you know, the little thing come out and stuff like that, I just think it looks so good. Like, I mean, the effects are good. Uh, well, we're not going to talk about the CGI, but the, the practical effects are super good. And the, uh, the the design of the dog alien is like really cool. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. And I guess we should talk about originally it was based off an ox. Yes. And I guess they based it off an ox because it made sense for this prison planet to have an ox instead of a bull to like do its work. Now, of course, that is all cut out. And then we got it replaced with a dog, Rottweiler. So for watching this, sometimes I don't know how you do it, but when I'm watching it for a podcast, I'm actually a little bit more invested. A lot of times if I pop on a movie, I'm like, it's in the background. Uh, This one I was watching and I didn't realize until this one that that alien is way too big to come out of that dog because it just shows a little hole in the dog. And then it shows basically an alien the size of a dog. And I realized why. Because initially they had this coming out of an ox. Yeah. So it would make sense. (laughs) And now it doesn't. But whatever, just let it go. It's again, this is just part of the problem of the the production. This is not the CG artists. You know, it's not their fault. They're just following orders. But certainly the size doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But again, it looks cool. So (laughs) I'll forgive it because it's a cool looking fucking alien. Yeah, and it's weird, though, because like this one, the birth of the dog alien slash ox alien or bull alien looks good. But then there are scenes when it's running. It does not look good. Like it aged poorly. And I mean, they didn't they win the Oscar for CGI uh, in, in this year? I think it did. I think it won the award uh, for best visual effects, uh, not makeup. Nowadays, obviously, it's super fucking dated. <laughs> I heard someone talk about it like it aged poorly even in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like I'm trying to think of like, I guess it doesn't look like Jurassic Park. It doesn't look like Terminator. It looks kind of computery PlayStation 1-y, you know, like mm-hmm. what we would kind of come to know as like the sci-fi channel CGI is kind of what it looks like here. I forget the two visual artists uh, started their own company uh, that used to work for Stan Winston. Yeah, we got Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff Jr., yes. who are sort of, again, more like like, a, like David Geiler and Walter Hill are sort of like ambassadors for the whole series now mm-hmm. at this point. They do everything with the, with the series. Oh, they did such a fantastic job. The evolution of these xenomorphs are just so damn good. 
Absolutely. As the series goes on, these fuckers keep looking more and more real. Like they can, and I don't mean just like stationary. I mean the way they move, the way they, they like articulate, the way their eye areas sort of respond. Like the more and more the series goes on, the more and more these look like they could be real life aliens. <laughs> yeah. The, oh, especially the fourth one, which I, you know, that's going to be fun to get into that their suits, how much they evolved, but the suit in this one evolves so much better from the, uh, okay. So the second one had fantastic suits also. So I can't say that. I think with this one, when you get the close up of the alien, you realize the amount of detail that went into this alien, this suit. And part of me wishes that they could have got more into this movie instead of the CG. Yeah. I'm, I, I wish we just had all, practical for this instead of the cg especially since the next one doesn't really have very many cg aliens in it and this one has seemingly more earlier uh but yeah the practical one looks so good and moves so well i do wish they just were able to use that throughout for the whole thing yeah getting on further into this where they've got to fight this alien inside of these tunnels and try to get him into the lead is it a lead smolting Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's stuff I think can, I think or yeah. I'm crossing Terminator 2. <laughs> yeah. See, exactly. That's the that was their fear. And I think they had a it was a good fear. Probably should have changed the script up, even though like if, if, if Terminator 2 doesn't exist, this is a really cool ending. Yeah. But Terminator 2 does exist. <laughs> and they also pour water on the alien to have him crumble just like they did the liquid, you know, T-1000. So it's like, ooh. Okay, maybe we should have changed the script up, but the script wasn't finished when this went into production, so I don't know how much was already done. But anyway, I I actually I actually read somewhere and I don't know if this is true because obviously there's so much stuff about this movie out, mm-hmm. but I read somewhere that this ending was reshot to not as as much like Terminator 2. So what we're getting, and it, again, this is just what I read. I don't know if this is true. What we're getting is actually the reshot ending. So how much more was the ending before like Terminator 2 then if this is the reshoot? I know. I heard that too, that there were, <laughs> this was a reshoot. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. And I just don't know because I watched so much of the behind the scenes on this. But at a certain point, I just started to tune out because it was just too much. Yeah, there's so much about this the production out there. It's like it's more than the movie. <laughs> it, it truly is. It's it's hard to keep up. Uh, yeah. There's even on um, the Alien Quadrilogy box set and uh, the later released Blu-ray from 2010. I think they have like sort of the assembly cut of this movie, where you see a little bit more of the stuff that was maybe intended to be in the movie versus what ended up on the screen. But it's still kind of also Frankenstein together and it, and it has like storyboards and unfinished VFX and stuff you can't really watch it as like a pure movie experience. It's almost like a bonus feature mm-hmm. to watch, but uh, I, I've, I have watched it and yeah, it is it, again. It's like, there's so much to talk about. Like you couldn't even, if you were to even just try to break down scene by scene, the differences between that and this, it would take all day. <laughs> oh, it really would. Uh, that'll pretty much end it for mine on it. I think we did a good job of not going too far into behind the scenes. Uh, we can, if you don't have anything else, we can always talk about 
uh, the how terrible the Alien Three NES game is. I remember. Was it one for uh, Sega Genesis yes. also? Yeah. Okay, I remember that one. Yeah. Well, yeah, the NES one just is really bad because I think initially they were developing it for probably the Sega Genesis and then kind of had to port it over for NES. You're just walking around freeing prisoners. And you actually have a time limit. Ugh, I hated the third one. I do own it. I, I never revisit it. I just hated it. Now, was Genesis the same game then? I don't know. I've never played the Genesis. Okay, I, re- I don't really remember it. I know somebody somebody had it at their house when I was a kid. I went over and played, but I could not tell you what like the, the step-by-step was in the game, though. Uh, but I do remember the cartridge. I remember because it had the little embryo poster one on the cartridge that you put in the, uh, in the Genesis. Oh, did it? Yeah. That'd be mm-hmm. fun to look at. I don't know if they're any good. I, I know nothing about it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, pl- I played it in the 90s, but they have no memory of it. Now, what I did play with in the 90s that I have super memories of were the toys. Yeah, they were huge when I when we were kids. And what I always thought, because we looked at these before we started recording, and what's amazing is, is they essentially just took Aliens and Alien 3 and smashed them together and basically just turned it into a line of Aliens 3, like, aliens that were with you know mixed with animals and then you had the marines and then you had all the ripley stuff from aliens yeah so you, yeah like you said you have a combination of alien three aliens and then made up stuff like basically is what you get with this toy line it came out in 92 so it came out kind of to coincide with this movie we were also supposed to get an animated series that was going to coincide with this movie uh that was more based on aliens and like the marines hunting down aliens we never got to see that cartoon unfortunately but we get yeah we I, maybe some of the ideas that were going to be in that cartoon are in this toy line because we have bull aliens and mantis aliens and gorilla aliens and they're all really cool looking and they i mean obviously the alien dog i, I still have that toy because i think it looks so good and uh the alien queen was a really cool one in that series i had i had a ton of these i i love these toys uh from 92 i thought they were so cool this is also part of what disappointed us so much as kids because we saw all these toys and we thought all these different types of aliens was going to be in this film. Yeah, that was probably a mistake to <laughs> advertise that to kids because uh, I'm sure that I'm sure you you were not alone in thinking that. <laughs> yeah, it's just you kind of get into this movie and you're like, what? This is just like the first one. There's one alien and then Ripley dies at the end. And it was just like so sad. Like, this is it. I do. One of the things, I guess, like just an overall thing that I do like about this movie is the fact that it is just like punishingly depressing throughout. Yes. <laughs> it's a tone thing, but I really I do dig that about this movie. I, again, it's it's a taste thing. Not everybody likes it. More people probably like the excitement and the fun of the second one. But like for me, man, I'll take the depressing Ripley dies shit any day. Like I I love these miserable apocalyptic movies. <laughs> I do like a miserable apocalyptic movies. And like I said, like if this movie was just on its own, I think it would be really good. The problem is, is it's part of an alien franchise and you just pissed off so many fans for so many different reasons, too. From the beginning, if you're a new or a Hicks fan, you're done. If you like having a bunch of aliens and alien queens and stuff, not in here. Like <laughs> if you wanted it to be like guns and, you know, marine play and stuff like that, not here. Like this one alienates for lack of a better word, alienates a lot of fans. <laughs> yeah, if you want a, a fun, happy ending, or at least, you know, where the 
hero can go off into the future and live their life. You're not getting that either. <laughs> no, because it's the final chapter type ending here. Because how could they possibly bring Ripley back if after this? Yep. Come back next week. <laughs> <We'll tell you. laughs> and it's the most 90s way of bringing someone back. Yes, you can figure course. it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll end it this week. We'll go on to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy and bring something back. It's our third wing of the alien wing. Wait, no, that's not that doesn't sound right. It's the third section of the alien wing. It is the section of the alien wing that has a little three above it. <laughs> and it's it's going to be very dark and gloomy when you walk in. Yes, very moody. Sandy, yes. a little orangey, very earth. Yes. You like this more than me, so I'll let you go first. If we're going to put alien stuff in the museum, we have to put the shot right like we have to put that in the museum it's the thing that signifies the whole series and as a fan of this movie i'm really fucking satisfied that the thing that uh uh, signifies the entire series is a shot from this fucking movie (laughs) so we gotta put it in there it's amazing it's a great shot it's iconic ripley looks fucking awesome with the shaved head the alien looks great the little head that comes out looks great it's it's sweaty it's wet it's got goop dripping from it i love it put the shot in there I'm going to piggyback right off that because mine is just Sigourney Weaver's look. For a movie that isn't liked by many, it's a very iconic look for her. And it kind of like represents the swag that she had walking through this film. And it just looks good. Uh, I think I've said enough negative about the film. I've, you know, I've voiced my opinion. But I will tell you a good thing about this is her look. Yeah, she's and she's just a badass in this. She really is. She's like... You know, she's had enough shit. And that's really fun to see just like somebody who's just done, really just ready to fuck up an alien. (laughs) Yeah. And something that she does in this film that just like goes on through the at least the first three is she's the smartest character in the room. Yeah. Yeah. At any given point in any given room, she always is. But they don't make it annoying. No. You know, it's not like a movie where they're just like, well, she's got an IQ of blah, blah, blah. You know, and like she's been training for blah, blah, blah years and yada, yada. No, it's just like she adapts faster than anyone else. It relies on the experience. You know, Mm -hmm. she's not, you know, super soldier programmed. She's just been through this shit two other times. So, yeah, she's the smartest to handle this alien. It's experience. She's earned it. I like it because there's no script lines explaining to you why she's the smartest. She just is the smartest and you pick it up. Yep. You believe it immediately. Yeah, so it's that's what's always nice, and she plays it so well. So, you know, uh, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to us have seen this. Uh, I suggest this as a film that you watch, not so much connected to the first two, even though that's almost impossible. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think I think fans that hold things a little too dear from the previous movies may be burned here because I said they really alienate a lot of fans with some of their choices but if yeah you take a look at it as a standalone thing and take out of your minds behind the scenes and you take out of your mind the first two movies this movie halloween 3 like stands up on its own as its own thing and i think it's a cool vision 
Uh, as a not big David Fincher fan, this is probably one of my favorite David Fincher movies. And uh, I think it's probably my second favorite Alien movie as well in the series, which I know people will be like, oh my God, Aliens. And I'm like, I, I dig Aliens. Like I do. I took it to task last week, but I do like that movie. I just, I love what this one's doing. And I really, I think it's my favorite sequel. And I just think it, I think it has enough, enough connected to the other ones that it is dna sharing but it's it is so much of its own thing too that it's really just a satisfying watch i think and i think ripley's great i think the alien looks great i think there's some good gore in it i think there's a lot of good visuals in it so i recommend this one too but you gotta put that other shit out of your mind when you watch it that's the only way you can watch it to have its own judgment on the film i mean it's incredibly hard to do but it's the only way uh, but, you know, like some people just won't do that. That's not going to happen. And that's just the way it is. Some fans are like, nope, one and two is my are my movies. And that's it. I don't care about the rest. And I hear that a lot. Yeah, to each their own. But yeah. as as a fan who has watched the eight movies, including the verses over and over and over again, uh, I I really like this one a lot. And I, I have I am excited to have found that it does somewhat have a little bit of a fan base now people are kind of coming around to it it's never going to reach the levels of like halloween 3 but at least people are digging it a little bit now hopefully separating it from its tumultuous past of getting made and everything like that so i'm I'm happy to see people are digging it and it's never going to be a cult classic but at least i'm not screaming it to avoid saying that it's awesome All right, next week, we look at Alien Resurrection, the fourth one in this franchise. And it, it I believe it has a faster turnaround from three to four than two to three, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, we had eight years between. No, wait, 86 and 92. So six years, Yeah, six years from the And now we have five years from yeah. this one to the next one. So a little shorter. I guess 20th Century Fox just needed to make some money. Yeah, back to the well. (laughs) (laughs) Even though we killed the main character. (laughs) All right, until next week, remember to be kind. And rewind. You're all going to die. The only question is how you check out. Do you want it on your feet or on your fucking knees? Begging. I ain't much for begging. Nobody ever gave me nothing. So I say, fuck that thing. Let's fight it.